Hello and welcome back to another very special edition of Messi and Co. I am your host, Austin Robillard, and joined with me today is none other than Ashley Silvers and IMCF Traveler himself, Morgan. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the English version of Messi and Co. If you haven't already, go ahead and check out the Spanish version that dropped out dropped a little bit earlier this week, and every single week we'll be coming to you with English and Spanish, ver- Spanish versions of Messi and Co. covering all things Inter-Miami and Lionel Messi. But first, let me say hi to our wonderful hosts, Ashley and Trav. Thank you so much for coming on. And right away, this is the first topic. It's the topic of the most importance. Lionel Messi made it to Publix, guys. That is where we're going to start the show off. I want to get your guys' initial thoughts when these pictures dropped. I need to go what go about what was in his cart, what he was doing there, how many times he had to stop to take a picture. I need everything. Um, so first thing, we'll start with Ashley. Ashley, what are your thoughts on Messi making it to Publix? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me back. Um, excited to be back. A lot of cool stuff has happened uh, since our, our first episode together. And yeah. I, you know, yesterday I, I got the uh, the text in a, in our WhatsApp chat with other members of the Five Reasons Sports uh, Network uh, with the picture of him. And at first I thought it was Photoshopped because I was like, there's no way Lionel Messi is in Publix right now at 10 o'clock on a Thursday. But he was. And I I think it's just it's like it's a microcosm into why this is going to be so unique having him, which is, I'd say, one of the five to ten most recognizable people in the world, you know, being doing regular things like that, something that he probably never did in Barcelona, certainly never did in Paris, maybe does sometimes in Rosario, um, that he gets to do it here. And so, uh, yeah, it was really cool. It was fun. And uh, I wanted to give a really cool statistic that I saw this morning. Um To give a little insight, you know, about what I like to talk about, which is kind of like the brand and the overall uh, marketing impact he makes. From yesterday's photos of him at Publix, including one in particular that he took a selfie with a fan with High Noons behind him, the uh, alcohol brand. It's estimated by and I want to give I want to make sure I'm giving uh, proper props to Apex Marketing, uh, $3.3 million worth a free brand exposure for public supermarkets and for high noon cocktails last night, just by getting a couple pictures of them there. And so, yeah, that's just like a taste of no pun intended of what the impact Messi has on things, on things like that. And I think it's going to be the first of many fun kind of different experiential moments we see of Messi in the community uh, as in South Florida. I am CF Traveler. What was in his cart? And do we agree with some of the decisions he was making? Uh, I think I saw like Lucky Charms in there. And, you know, uh, I'm not really a Lucky Charms guy. I'm more of a uh, like Rice Krispie guy. uh, For cereal? Or a Frosted Flakes guy. Okay, that I can agree Uh, with. Well, listen, Rice Krispies, you know, like crackle and pop. Like, that's the way to go. Uh, but no, I, I mean, it looked very much like a normal person's cart, you know, who's buying food for his family and, you know, for all of his kids that he had with him there. He was there with uh, Antonella and all of his kids. So it looked very much like a normal, you know, a, a normal family man's cart, which, you know, for somebody like, 
Uh, for somebody like Lionel Messi, he's probably never, at least in the past you know, 20 years that he's been a pro athlete, had this opportunity to go to a supermarket and be like, all right, sweet, I'm going to I'll pick out my own groceries and I'll literally walk the aisles with his wife and kids. I can't imagine the last time he was able to do that as a normal person. And yet here in Miami, yes, he got asked for a couple of pictures and, you know, it obviously then made its rounds, but it was fairly normal. You know, he wasn't mobbed. There weren't, you know, a thousand people standing outside saying, you know, messy, messy, messy he was able to live a relatively normal life. And that's a big part of why he came to Miami in the first place. I was going to say that was my next question to pose to you guys. Is that kind of a statement that you just made there at the end, Trav reading into it too much because he spoke about in the interview with the Spanish news outlets, when he made the decision to come to Miami rather than go to Saudi Arabia or stay in Paris or go to Barcelona, that his family was at the forefront of his mind and living a life that was a little bit more normal, a little bit more relaxed rather than living in Paris where he was unhappy and his, you know, in, in Barcelona where he would just have news over him all over the time, Saudi Arabia, where it'd be a little bit more uncomfortable for him in terms of learning something completely new in terms of culture. Is it, is this public strip? Like, does it epitomize that entire kind of statement that he was making back then in June about how it'd be, better for him to come to Miami because he would be more comfortable. Is it reading into reading into it too much or am I right about it? Epitomizing that exact statement. I think it's the perfect example of it. I think the fact that Lionel Messi was able to go to Publix without security with his wife and kids and have a normal shopping trip, where else in the world would he have gotten that? Oh, maybe in Saudi Arabia, but at the same time, it's living in Saudi Arabia there's nowhere else in the world that he could have gone out and done this. And I think that's a big part, if not the reason that he was so interested in coming to Miami and why he did come to Miami. Ashley, your thoughts. I I totally agree. And I think that, you know, Miami, it's a really unique city because one, it's really spread out and that helps because comparing Barcelona, Paris, and even Riyadh, they're very compact cities, you know, with hugely dense, dense populations. Uh, South Florida, while dense in population, it's very big. So it's he has more room to go and do things. There's also a lot of celebrities who live in Miami. Again, not not Lionel Messi level celebrity, but huge celebrities live in all over Miami and South Florida. And so, yeah, I think it's a perfect microcosm and an example of, yeah, you know, he can do that, that he never would be able to do. Sure, he'll get 10, 15, maybe 20 pictures asked of him. It'll be trending the next day and a fun thing. But then he moves on. And, you know, it's a really good example. His first night here, he went to rest. He went to dinner at a restaurant. Right. And then the second night he goes to Publix. And I definitely think it's making a statement because any other time, you know, he would be in his bunker down until the announcement and everything's in, you know, in black SUVs and hidden entrances and this and the other. But I think he's he's trying to put the narrative in that first foot out that says, you know, I'm I'm this is my next chapter in my life. I'm, I know I'm still messy. I'm still the star, but uh, I'm starting to integrate myself a little bit back into normal life and community. And so, so yeah, I think it's the first 48 hours. It's really, uh, I'd say specific things that he's done to kind of lay the groundwork for his life in Miami. 
hundred percent. And speaking of those celebrities in Miami, I don't know if they actually reside here, but there have been some crazy rumored names set for the unveil on Sunday, July 16th. As you're either watching this or as it's being recorded, it's Friday, July 14th. We're two days away, almost a full 48 hours away uh, from the unveil. And it's beginning at 6.30 p.m. at Drive Pink Stadium. And there have been some crazy names rumored, crazy celebrities, uh, Hispanic celebrities at that, rumored to be performing at this event, Shakira, Bad Bunny, Maluma, and more. But those are the three that are really sticking out. Um, Needless to say, this is going to be an event like no other. This is going to be an event that the owners are putting on strictly for the fans. If you had not heard and you are a season ticket holder, uh, they were the tickets were released free to season ticket holders. They were all given access to this event for free, depending on the amount of tickets they had in their account. So anything, any person who has a season ticket is able to go to this for free. And outside of that, then the club released this morning, Friday morning, tickets for fans outside of season ticket holders to join uh, this event on Sunday night at $30 a pop. That's it. So what the owners are doing, in my opinion, is something extraordinary. They are more than just putting their money where their mouth is. They, they are 1 million percent believing in the product that is to come, and they are trying to get as much hype behind it as possible. Trav, I'll go to you. What are your expectations for this event on Sunday and how excited should some of the people be who are attending to see what is going to happen? Uh, I, I keep flipping back and forth on it. Now, part of me says, you know, this is going to be an event like no other, especially for Major League Soccer. You know, there's going to be big name performances. There's going to be big name celebrities here. Uh, and of course, you know, Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets will be unveiled to the fans. Uh, there's a chance Jordi Alba will be as well. Although at this time, he's a little uncertain with his wife just about to give birth to their child. Uh, but I think regardless, it's going to be really, really cool. I think that you know, Inner Miami is going to make this a statement event of you know, we got Lionel Messi. Here's a sold out stadium with some of the biggest stars performing. It's going to be streamed live on MLS season pass. It's going to be shown up at halftime of the gold cup final on sunday so they're going big or going home so my you know inner miami is trying to make this as big as humanly possible ashley what are you looking forward to the most with this event is it just the excitement behind Lionel messi or is it the fact that the owners are going ahead and making this something extravagant and unlike any other unveiling event we've seen around the world yeah, I think um, I, I have two kind of thoughts about what I'm really excited for. One, just as a fan, I'm really excited. I'm a season ticket holder, uh, like all of us. And so I'm going with my mom. And we're just really excited as fans of soccer and of Inter-Miami to see this as, you know, just a spectacle. Um, and, and to see, you know, how the club puts their foot forward. Because like what I said in that first episode is that for Inter Miami, we always knew the direction it was going in. We knew we had we had Beckham. We had a really strong brand identity and all of these things. But the execution of it the last couple of years has had its ups and downs. And so I think what I'm really looking forward to seeing, and I don't, it's not going to be perfect. It can't be from going from where we are now to Lionel Messi. Like it can't be perfect in one week. But to see how they put their best foot forward 
logistically, in terms of the spectacle, in terms of the environment, the atmosphere, you know, the image they're trying to put forth. That they're, they're saying, you know, we why can't we be uh, Man United, PSG, uh, Juventus, in terms of like the the brand recognition and fanfare we can bring to the city. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to see from both perspectives just what it's going to look like. And this brings us into our next huge topic here is, you know, Messi coming to Miami is is a deal unlike any other in almost any other sports league ever. Like, I, I don't know if there's anything comparable. Ashley, you and I were talking a little bit off screen about, you know, what it was like uh, for another big name to move to a smaller league. But this is this is different. In my opinion, this this reaches a standard that I don't think any other athlete in the world can actually bring. And it kind of brings me to like where MLS is headed because of where it's been before. We've had a couple of names, not necessarily to Messi's name, but comparable in terms of Zlatan Ibrahimovic and David Beckham coming to MLS. But actually, I'm going to let you go off on this. They weren't nearly as hyped for an arrival as much as Messi is being right now. I mean, Messi going to a grocery store makes it trending on Twitter. Messi going to a restaurant makes it trending on Twitter. Messi coming to MLS, they're getting ready to put on a huge event to 20,000 people with some of the biggest celebrities in the world and putting them on stage. That's never been done before in the history of this league and usually in an unveiling event or any type of major arrival in in you know world football, it's kind of just like, oh, here's Antoine Griezmann coming to Barcelona. He's going to juggle for you a couple times and you're going to get a picture and then that's all to like, you know, maybe a couple of fans or a couple extra reporters sitting in the stands. But for the most part, it's an empty stadium. This does not normally happen. Ashley, how do you compare this to any other arrival that MLS has seen before? Yeah, no, it's a really great point. And I think what makes it really full circle is that I'd say the closest in terms of, I'd say, proportionate scale would be Beckham, which is why it's kind of really fun, you know, that it's Beckham's team that's bringing it. Um, but, you know, when he came, they did have an event at for LA Galaxy at what was then Home Depot Park um, in 2007, I believe. And it was, uh, it had a good amount of fans. I don't, I don't think it was fully sold out, but it had a lot of fans there. He came into the center, he held up a frame jersey. It was really exciting. And, um, you know, at that time, he really, he revived and he kept MLS. So where MLS is now compared to then, it's obviously night and day. And so I don't think Messi has as much of a responsibility of saving a league. Um, but the spectacle he brings and the revenue he's going to bring, um, it's going to be astronomical. And then with, you know, Zlatan, it was kind of actually a very different approach where they had a press conference and then they had his first game. And what he did, which was very Zlatan, is he took out a whole uh, full page ad in the L.A. Times that said, you're welcome when he arrived. And so, you know, which I think is just that's so great and that's so his brand, but completely different. And what we're going to see now is uh, we're seeing a contract like we've never seen. We're, we're seeing a spectacle like we've never seen. We're seeing ticket sales like we've never seen. You know, we, we're seeing NFL stadiums opening up. 20, 30,000 seats months in advance when, as when Inter Miami is the away team visiting them, because that's how much of an impact he's going to have um, on ticket sales everywhere. And so, yeah, it's, it's something like we've never seen before, but it's also at the same time, very full circle in terms of almost like Beckham passing that torch of, you know, taking the league to the next level. And Trav, I want to go to you on this one. Beckham got here. They, 
they changed the rules for him to come. MLS literally altered their entire rules for him to come, and that's the DP rule as we know it today. Does Messi and Co. plug? Does Messi and Co. kind of shift the narrative for a lot of the owners? And you know, because this is opening possibilities that they maybe have never thought they had before. Does it shift the narrative and does it kind of put pressure for the owners and for the players association, um, for the GMs of the league, the, the commissioner, Don Garber to go ahead and maybe make some adjustments to open up the door for more possibilities through rule changes. Ready to transform your space into a masterpiece? Introducing Mosaics, your destination for stones and more. Mosaics is a family owned business serving the community for over 20 years with the best quality porcelain, ceramic tiles, and high-end mosaics featuring unique modern designs. Mosaics has everything you need. Dedicated customer service, wholesale distributors, and a passion for excellence. Make sure you visit mosaics.com today to turn your vision into a reality. I think there's going to be a very serious discussion this off season about possibly a amendment and change to the rules because Lionel Messi is getting paid pretty much what you know, entire ML, what half of the MLS combined pays their entire squad. So, you know, is this sustainable? Is this something that other owners are going to want to do? Possibly. Now, I think a lot of owners at the same time are wary because, you know, there's one Lionel Messi. And, you know, we look around the league and look at, you know, players like Lorenzo Insigne, uh, Bernardico Bernardeschi. Those are two players that after a year are now both looking for moves out of MLS and have been relative flops. So while I think there's going to be a serious discussion, mostly about you know, increasing the salary cap, increasing spending power and spending ability, I think that a lot of owners are still going to be hesitant because the second that you go out spending this much money on a player, it's a very high risk, low reward gain in most cases. You know, truly, Lorenzo Insigne was paid $15 million last season and less than a year later has already said, all right, I'm, I want out. And truly, you can pay Lionel SC $50 million and he's getting paid more than that. We all know this from the Apple deals and so on and so forth. But at the same time, it's a very high risk, low reward for most of these owners. There's very few players that will have the impact that Messi has on and off the pitch. And there's even fewer that at that price, you know, and at the level at which he's at will come to MLS. Which is a, a really, really fair point. And I think that that's a lot of the reason why you have these discussions. It's, you know, Miami were able to pull off Messi. Can we pull off kind of a, a star, not necessarily the same caliber, to someone that's going to help us compete and grow grow just our brand in general? There's a lot of small market teams in MLS. You think of a city like Salt Lake. You think of a city like Nashville or Minnesota. State, things like that. It, it's, it's hard to attract those kinds of names and stars, especially because football is on a global level. When you think of like the NFL, you think of the MLB and you think of um, – NHL or whatever the NBA, whatever it is, there are small market teams that, you know, struggle to 
bring in free agents, but at the same time, it's an American sport in an American sports league that kind of, because it's all consolidated, it doesn't have as much effect as Messi going to Salt Lake would versus Messi coming to Miami. It just, it's just so astronomically different than let's say LeBron coming to Miami versus LeBron going to Memphis. Like it, it, Messi going to Salt Lake is so much different than LeBron going to Memphis. It doesn't even make, like you can't even really compute that in your brain. So that is a huge part of the discussion. There have also been talks within USL, the league right below MLS that have separated themselves from America's top division to try and become a top division in, in and of themselves and having a vote on promotion and relegation. That happened I, is happening throughout this week. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a whole thing going on it, about it. I think MLS owners, depending on the result of that vote, might be put under a little bit more pressure um, depending on how they decide to grow their league because they are at the moment in a really tough position with the way MLS is going, especially with Messi joining. And I think it may be forced their hand a little bit. So thinking of it from a business perspective, you can go back and forth a ton of different ways on this. Go ahead, Ashley. I would also say what makes it really, really interesting and why I think timing is everything is that the United States is going to be hosting the world cup in three years. The United States is hosting Copa America next year. And so what could potentially happen over these next two to four years is that the United States can become a hub for soccer where world talent comes to. And I think, you know, you're going to see more stars come to the United States more than ever before because the dollars and the eyes are going to be on it. I think Saudi Arabia puts a wrench in basically the world's football plans in terms of what everyone was doing because, you know, it's hard unless you're messy, like you're not going to turn down $200 million. Um, but, but like I said, you know, how the MLS reacts to it and how everything, all the money that, the FIFA is going to be putting into the United States for the world cup, as well as what South America is going to be putting in for uh, Copa America. I actually think is it's going to make a positive impact. And if you kind of have all of these forces moving at the same time, it's going to elevate the whole league. And with, you know, how the Apple subscriptions and Adidas is going to work, you know, it's, it's uh, rising tides, raise all ships you know, all teams are going to benefit from it. It's just obviously different levels, but all teams are going to benefit from it. And how they go from that benefit is what's going to happen. You know, you made a great example with the NBA where although it's it's just America, I mean, Euro League and everything, it's starting to pick up a little bit. But, you know, Seattle was an example of they decided to not continue to invest and they did not, you know, the NBA threatened the powers that be. They didn't keep investing in their squad and in their fans and in their community, and they lost their team. And it went to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who did invest in it. And, you know, that could be happening with teams in, in MLS, too. You're going to start to see some wealthy people who want maybe their brand and their park, you know, to be something that's looked at for the next four years as the soccer capital of the world. And they're going to they'll pay for it. So we'll see. I think it's going to be, I think both sides are going to ring true and it's going to be interesting just to see how it plays out with the product on the field. And the, there's a couple of things I want to, I want to tie in there. One, the product on the field and two, 
kind of with the owners putting the money where their mouth is, like you were just explaining. And like I said earlier with Jorge Mas and David Beckham putting on this spectacle that's going to happen on Sunday, there have been more player rumors uh, from Inter-Miami than any other roster in MLS like at all. I mean, Miami has been linked with name after name. And now a lot of those younger names that are coming out from South America are starting to come into fruition a little bit. And this to me also speaks volumes about the owners putting money where their mouth is putting a product on the field. That really is something to watch rather than just having a team play football year in and year out, make the seventh seed, make the eighth seed scrape into the playoffs because that's what the Miami of old was. And now you think of the names, and Trav, I'm going to defer to you on this. You think of the names that are coming out of South America, the young under-22 players that Miami are linked with. Miami are now trying to, with the acquisition of Messi, Busquets, and Alba, they're doing their absolute best to stretch out the roster rules and regulations and use it to their advantage as best as they can. And I haven't said this publicly yet, but I'm going to now, and I meant to make a Twitter thread on it. I might write an article on it. We'll see. But with Campana... Staying on the roster as a DP, everybody has heard and seen that Miami get to keep the U22 initiative under their belt. They get to sign or have three U22 players on their roster. Emerson Rodriguez, who's on loan with Santos Laguna, is one of them. They can bring in two more and possibly more depending on the TAM situation. But if Miami go ahead and bring in U22 players, no matter what the tra- the the transfer fee is, no matter how much they pay them on a yearly salary, no matter no matter how much the bonus is to the club, depending on appearances or goals, whatever you want to call it, that we're seeing right now with a player that I'm going to let you talk about, Trav. Miami are going to use this to their advantage because under the salary budget, any of those players that we name or are about to name are only going to cost two hundred thousand dollars on the cap charge, or less. Of- or less. It could be 150 depending on their age. I think it's something like that. So if they're 21 and 22 years old, 200K. If they're less than that, it's 150K. And Miami, with a $5.5 million budget, just like every other MLS team, getting players of that quality for that cheap after the owners are going ahead and, going, going ahead and paying South American clubs millions of dollars to just bring them in is genius. And it's going to put pressure on other owners in MLS to make moves like this, because I haven't really heard of, and you can guys can correct me if I'm wrong. You guys, I haven't really heard of any MLS club really going ahead and taking advantage of this U22 rule just yet. Granted, it is a newer rule, but I don't think that there is a club right now that you can look to and say they're taking advantage of the rule perfectly. And every other MLS club should try and emulate that Miami are going to try and go out in front and do that. It's under Tata Martino's reign. I believe that he is a lot of the uh, mastermind behind some of these players coming here. If they are to come here, he's pointed them out to the ownership and to the scouts. And so now if this does happen, I think that it's going to change a lot in MLS for a lot of teams with the young DPs and the U22 initiatives. Okay. My rant is over. Trav, (laughs) Um, tell us what you know about a couple of the names that are linked with inter Miami. I know recently there was one that has been completely shut out because of a, a denial in terms of a proposal and then go on from there and what, what you know with some of the guys coming in. So Miami is close to, if not complete uh, with deals for center midfielder, Diego Gomez from Libertad and then for winger uh, Facundo Faraz Uh for Diego Gomez, Miami is looking to pay between two and a half to three million dollars for fifty percent of his rights. 
uh, which basically means that Libertad will retain a 50% sell-on clause in the event that Miami then sells him in the future. For Fagundo Ferias, they will pay about $5.5 million for 80% of his rights, and his club will retain 20% as a sell-on clause. Miami is also close in discussions for center back Thomas Alves uh, from racing. Miami is looking at a fee in the region of, I think it was like three and a half to five million for him. And right there, Miami would then look to probably offload Emerson Rodriguez to free up the U22 DP spot. Uh, Miami also discussed uh, a offer for Brian Agurde. However, their offer was turned down. The club wants at least $10 million for him. Miami offered closer to six, and they won't come to terms. Miami is not going to pay $10 million for him at this time. A lot of information there, and I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head with the possibility of Emerson being offloaded. With the names that they're linked with in South America right now, Inter-Miami, I think, have their hopes uh, up for a higher prospect than Emerson Rodriguez has been for Inter Miami. I don't know exactly what he's done with Santos, but at least when he when he was with Miami last season, Phil Neville only ever talked about him as a long term project. I think that Miami want people to contribute under Messi's wing right now, and that's what some of these guys from South America would be able to come and do. The Paraguayan Diego Gomez. I've heard a lot of good things from Paraguayan outlets and a, and a close friend of mine uh, who is Paraguayan and follows Paraguayan football. Um, and as for Facundo Farias, I, I think that, you know, getting someone to play up front alongside Messi with a team that's lacking kind of wingers right now, um, would be huge. The quality I, in the, the final third. Yeah, it's completely lacking it. Um, so depending on if Joseph is there, if Campana is there, whoever can play on that left side of where Facundo does play, uh, sometimes as a center forward or even as a 10, if you have a left winger, an out-and-out out winger to, to help bolster your attack, depending on Tata Martino once, that's probably something you know, behind the reason why they're going to go ahead and think about bringing a guy like him in. So a lot to be said for there, but I do think Miami are going to take advantage of the U-22 rule again. Granted, Jorge Moss and David Beckham and the ownership group are going to have to pay a lot of money from club to club, but it's safe and sound under the MLS salary cap budget because of the rule 150 to 200 K max under the budget charge, which is almost nothing compared to the $5.5 million that they have. They have the TAM players that they're being extremely smart with. And then they also have the DPs, which, you know, if you consider Messi a smart signing, they're being extremely messy. They're, they're being extremely smart there too. Um, so yeah, Miami then have a game on Saturday. I know we've talked so much about Messi and the, the future and all these events, but Miami plays St. Louis city, Put that down Put on that Saturday. Down. <laughs> if you don't know, Trav is a huge Indiana Vassilov fan, and that's exactly what he's wearing. Um, Trav, we were actually oh, – here we go. And he's going to pull out the back too. Unbelievable. Trav and I were actually going to travel out to this one um, for, for just for fun. And I would probably have to sit next to a St. Louis fan either way, whether it was Trav or somebody else if I were to go to the <laughs> match. Um, but, yeah, Miami are going to play on Saturday. It's the first time we're going to see Tata Martino – uh, coaching this side with a lot of the young guns most likely to play again. What are your guys' expectations for Saturday, and what are you hoping to see from this Miami side? Go ahead. You, you, uh, you're the expert. <laughs> uh, 
St. Louis is coming off a difficult defeat to LAFC. They lost 3 nothing in the middle of the week, uh, even though my boy Indy just balled out like he does. Uh, but St. Louis is kind of in a little midst of trouble right now. You know, they have seen a few players sideline with injury. They're not necessarily in a rough patch. They're kind of up and down as it goes. But you know, St. Louis is top of the West right now. They're one of the best teams in MLS. They're having, without a doubt, the best debut season in MLS that we have ever seen. So they're an extremely dangerous side. They will punish you on defense and in transition. They don't like to hold the ball very much. They have this very German Red Bull style of playing where they're going to give you the ball and then press the hell out of you to make you give it back. Uh, And I think that Miami will play yet again another young, inexperienced squad. But at the same time, I do think that it's a winnable game for Miami against a very tough opponent and a good way to go into League's Cup. So if I had to throw it out there, I would say uh, 2-1 Miami, Indiana Vassilov goal for St. Louis. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, Ashley, your turn with an unbiased Austin, Austin was expecting me to say St. Louis, then an Indy brace, which if that happened, I'd be perfectly happy too. Oh, my God. I get to play both sides of the coin this match. Yeah. Well, so from my perspective, um, you know, we've gotten a few draws in a row. Uh, I think we're doing exactly what is being asked of the players, which is to keep floating until Messi is is there. Uh, Keep us within those seven, eight points to to the playoffs. And it's going to be 12, right? 12 games. MLS games that he he's going to play in right so I mean they've done you know with two of them being road games as well I think that the young players and sort of the hodgepodge of what we've had to put out I think they've done a good job of being resilient and getting those draws Um, I think we have the element of surprise tomorrow with what Tata is going to do in terms of how what his game plan is going to be Um, I would be happy with a draw I, a win would be wonderful, but I would be happy with the draw and we'll see. Um, and just really quickly, one last point I really wanted to make before I forgot uh, forget based on what you were saying about, you know, the young South American DPs and when we were just speaking earlier about our other MLS owners going to step up. You know, as of 2021, over 61.5 million Americans are Latino. And so that's 20% of the population. And Latin American fans will will support their will support people from their country, right? It's a really important uh, part of culture and history. And so, if other teams take Miami's lead and start to take in these stars from South America, I think it will help their revenue and their popularity a lot as well. And so, I I'd keep an eye peeled for more teams doing that. Maybe they're not going to go for, you know, the Erling Holland, but they'll go for you know, some of those DPs, uh, young DPs in South America to to start working from the inside and get what is really considered to be, you know, getting uh, Latin American fans is something that should be your your easiest barrier to entry for a team to support their culture, a game they've played their whole life in their new home or their, you know, their family's home. And so I'd uh, I'd be interested to see how that plays out as well. 
Very, very interesting, indeed. And I think it's something everybody should keep eyes on, especially for Miami, because I do think they're going to pave the way for how a lot of these transactions will happen. Um, and, and keep an eye on the Diego Gomez and Facundo rumors, because I, I really think that uh, if they get done, Miami are really going to start to compete later on in this year, and they'll probably put themselves – they already are in good positions to win some trophies now this season. Um, but I don't know how you guys feel about this. I really couldn't care less about MLS right now. I'm really just worried about them winning Open Cup and winning League Cup and then starting 2023 off in the Champions Cup. That's that's literally all I want. I know Tata Martino will say it differently and probably the players too. But if I'm ownership, I'm telling Tata to come back with two trophies, get me on another international stage, and we'll worry about MLS next season because it's already, well, I'm not going to say it's too far gone, but it's going to be a really, really, really rough a couple of games if they really want to climb back into it. Granted, there's still 39 points on the table and normally in MLS to sneak into the playoffs, you need to to hit that like 40, 45 point barrier with it being expanded down to the nine seed. Maybe you look at more of a 40 point line, but in my opinion, I really think the focus should be on winning the tournament. Messi's going to debut in winning the open cup game in Cincinnati in August, trying to get a game at home, hoping to get a game at home if Houston beat uh, if Houston beat Salt, Salt is it Salt Lake? Is it yeah. Salt Lake? Yeah, Salt Lake at home. You have a final at Dry Pink Stadium. You can imagine that one be sold out too. Um, that's what I think the focus should be on. But also, again, as Ashley and Travis mentioned, those young guys from South America are a great, great, great business model for on and off the field reasons. And I totally agree with that too. Granted, I don't think Miami needs much off the field help right now, given they have Messi and every single move he makes is being tracked by civilians and publics or media at the stadium or the new somehow new supporters group. That's just following Messi or something like that. It's all over the place. News is all over the place falling into Miami. So um, there is enough attention that, Miami will not be able to ever get enough of because it's going to be great for their business and their brand and their franchise and for the owners who have put their money where their mouth is. That's kind of the moral of the show. Ashley, Trav, thanks so much for coming on. As for us here on Messi and Cove, the Five Reasons Sports Network, we thank you so much for listening. Make sure you check out the podcast on any podcast platform that you get, Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, wherever it is. We have English versions and Spanish versions dropping every single week. Put down the St. Louis badge. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.